Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 92. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, newly installed vice president of Lucasfilm Incorporated, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, how's it going uh, getting ready to run the Star Wars universe? There's going to be some big changes around here, <laughs> so I bet, hope everyone is ready. Yeah, I, I don't know that the new Star Wars fan is going to be very happy with what you would do. No more lightsabers. <laughs> no more light. I love lightsabers, Clint. No, no more lightsabers. No more force powers. Oh, Clint. No, that's not Star Wars. You got to have force. Forcey force. Every episode is just a half hour drama. <laughs> just a half Set an hour. in an apartment building. Okay. It's not five minutes of landing every ship. No. <laughs> calling it art. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, because if you listen to the last episode, you know, I was uh, food poisoned for quite a while. I laid in bed and moaned a lot. I did not do a lot of watching. Instead of what you watching, we're going to do a little bit of a, a throwback uh, to the Mandalorian minute, but it won't quite be a minute. But uh, here we go. Let's talk. Uh, Ahsoka second. Ahsoka, uh, the Ahsoka, Ahsoka second. Ahsoka second. That is kind of fun. I've been trying to think of something for it. It's know. one time we're talking about this, never again, so I'm not making a theme. So you can do it right now. Ahsoka second. I assume that based on your face, uh, you could sum up your feelings of the series in one second. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk Ahsoka. Uh, Ahsoka picks up right after uh, kind of Clone Wars and the Rebels animated series. Clint, I believe you have not watched either of those series. No. Okay. Uh, I have. I I ate them up and soaked them up. And so one of the things I'm curious about is, is how much that has to do with our individual experiences with mm -hmm. Ahsoka. But uh, Ahsoka, the series, actually is more of Rebels season five. It does have Ahsoka as a main character, but she is not the main character in a way that that feels like this series should have been titled Ahsoka. She's there. She is there. <laughs> she does things. Um, uh, this continues uh, kind of showrunner Dave Filoni's mission to make the prequels good uh, or better. You got a lot um, of work. He's going up. <laughs> he's really he's walking up that hard. hill. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so so Ahsoka just basically tells the story of uh, these characters that were introduced in an animated series trying to recover their uh, friend, also from the animated series, who's lost in another galaxy with a bad guy, also introduced in an animated series. Uh, Clint, uh, first, what was your reaction? How long did it take you to realize this was not a series that was easily accessible to somebody that had not watched all the storylines that had come before in the animated universe. Maybe like four episodes because I was giving it that grace period of like, okay, this is a new series. Yeah. I'm getting familiar with the characters. Um, and then there was a point where I got to it. Like, I know, okay, I know these characters. I had seen Ahsoka in, was the Mandalorian? Yeah. Um, so I was somewhat familiar with her, but it got to a point where I'm like, I'm not gaining anything new about these characters or am, am I fam like understanding what their mission is or anything or who these people are that they're talking about that they're going to, you know, come in contact with later. So I got to a point where it's like, I don't know what's happening in this show. Yeah. And I started, ha you know, having to Google like, who is this person they're talking about? Yeah. And, um, and who are like, why are they going here? Why, like, who are these? I just didn't understand what was happening. In the other corner of the universe, 
where my son and I, he grew up watching these animated yeah. series. We're literally sitting in my movie room screaming and putting our hands in the air at certain moments or somebody would walk on screen and be like, yeah. Uh, he was just losing his mind. And it was fun for me as a dad. But I, I also was having these very specific emotional reactions to things. At the same time, wondering how you were going to react to it, because without those emotional reactions or understanding where that story had come from, there's not a lot of, of no. groundwork here I had, for the uninitiated. I had no emotional contact uh, or like connection to anybody in this show. Yeah. Like I didn't care about the, you know, the apprentice relationship. I didn't care about like uh, Hayden Christensen shows up, who I've I've seen in other films. I did not like uh, care so much about that relationship because mm -hmm. I didn't know they even had a relationship. Gotcha. Um, I do think that was one of the better uh, moments with Hayden Christensen, and yeah. I loved how that was kind of that kind of dream sequence where they're going back into the Clone Wars was like shot, but I think it was done a lot to just kind of um, hide the seams of the volume. The volume, yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, they're doing a good job of making the most out of what they're given with that whole technology. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really care about I, this relationship at all because yeah. I don't know anything about this. Because well, even it, though I had a much more positive reaction to the show, that I it, that one almost distracted me because I was like, why didn't they just do live action Clone Wars, right? Because uh, this this looks like the the teaser for something that could have been really cool. I think that kind of thing I might have got more into yeah. if they were just like, let's do a whole thing centered around, um, yeah, the Clone Wars and showing that in more detail yeah, and like some new characters, and new characters, yeah. and you could really flesh out their relationship and yeah. have Hayden Christian just there the entire time. Yeah, like that would have been kind of cool and yeah. like let him like if you're really wanting to, um give the whole prequel thing and like another shot and show what you love about it. Yeah. Like dive into it. Um, but yeah, besides the characters, like it just kept doing some of the things that like the Mandalorian or the Boba Fett series would do that just drove me crazy. Okay. That like where you're just like really trying to reference things that we are familiar with in our like, reality like the whole <laughs> there's a moment where there's a space battle and they're getting chased by these kind of like little fighter jets and they look exactly like world war ii fighter jets yeah that kind of stuff drives me insane see i they were different enough i like that no, um, i knew they you would hate a, her climbing out on the plane i hated that and jumping up and the only thing know. i could think about during that is like how did she get that super complex space <laughs> helmet on over those tendrils that she yeah, has yeah. and then get back in the ship and instantly have it off like that yeah. stuff drives me crazy but like the only thing that made those spit like fighter jets different is it didn't have a propeller on the yeah, front well that's a big deal claim <laughs> No, I loved I loved Hu Yang the the robot. I loved more of the Samurai Incorporation. I loved the lightsaber fights. They felt like a good blend of like the the fast and acrobatic prequel and the weighted and and brutal original trilogy. I dug that stuff. You you guys kept going on about the lightsaber battles. Yeah. I didn't think they were that impressive for really? one. Okay. Also, that's just on your phone or was it? No, I watched okay. it on my my I screen. Just checking. It wouldn't have been impressive on a phone either. Um. 
And the, 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 that's another thing from like the Mandalorian where that's super like referencing like wild, like Westerns and stuff in yeah. this referencing so heavy handedly referencing like samurai it stuff. Did get, they were even saying Ronin and Boken yeah. and, and these terms. Yeah. That, yeah. That and got they a get to the point where like they have the clone or the stormtroopers in there. I can't remember the name of it exactly. The night troopers. Uh, no, just like at the end, more closer to the end, and they they are all kind of broken up, and they have the yeah. gold adorning the cracks, and I can't remember yeah. the name That's of that. That's the Japanese art of yeah, uh, yeah. fixing broken pottery. Yeah, yeah, but it has a specific name. Yeah, yeah. and I was just like, "That's so heavy-handed," and yeah. why? And like, it just starts making me think, "Why does that exist in this, you know, universe?" And it's and the only thing I ever came back to it's it doesn't and it's just for our benefit like of being familiar with it and we're just doing it as to go deeper into this samurai lore and stuff and like and it never worked for me did you like the little turtle ewoks i hated the turtle oh, Clint, no <laughs> i hate turtle ewoks are uh, great i hated the turtle ewoks <laughs> I forget their name the noki or the noki or uh, i just called them turtle ewoks i'm going to maybe blow your mind a little bit right now so you gave me the original yes. trilogy yes. that you had found that was digitized from like um where it has none of the extra stuff that George Lucas this, put and, back and in. And just side note, this was incredible. It's on Etsy. You can find it for $50, all three movies. They're just called the despecialized editions. Yeah. And somebody has done a really good job making high def transfers of the original pre-special edition Star Wars movies. And I watched them and I was just completely enthralled by like oh this is what the movie looked like yeah. um what was what was your take on all that um i've only watched the first one so far mm -hmm. but i don't know if it's just my screen or something it, there was moments where it almost felt like bbc special like the frame rate felt weird really a little bit Interesting. but my main thing that i walked away from and where i was trying to give after watching this, giving uh, Ahsoka a little more grace and thinking back about all the other like Mandalorian and stuff, the original movies are silly too. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They're silly too. I, and as the further I get away from just pure like emotion and nostalgia, I'm realizing that and realizing Maybe I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan. Even Empire Strikes Back yeah. has its very silly moments. We we don't think about it, but giant four-legged walkers are probably not the best idea no. for a ground assault. <laughs> uh, they fly into an asteroid that just happens to have a giant space worm yeah. that has little creatures living inside of it, and they escape just as its jaws close. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are little pig people running the underground uh, Cloud City of of Bespin. Yeah. Um, there there are, even in Empire, the most revered of the films, there are these little beats of of cartoonishness. Yeah. So that I'm I watched that in the middle of probably watching Ahsoka. I was like at a point with Ahsoka where I was like, you know, still a couple in. I'm still kind of trying to get my footing and like give it a chance. Yeah. And so I watched the the Star Wars, the original, and the New Hope, and I um, just realized like it's all silly, yeah. <laughs> and and so like I and my opinion of it doesn't really matter because I don't think I am the viewer that they want or matters, and it just and I don't fault you for loving it because you have a lot of nostalgia around it yeah. with your son. Yeah, I I 
as I'm going on in life, realizing I'm not as a big of a nostalgic person as I thought I was. And it's just like, I don't think I like Star Wars that much, and that's okay. <laughs> I, I really liked Ahsoka. I, I felt it was much, much better than The Mandalorian. Uh, it it hit all my buttons. I, I think my only complaint, I was really, really surprised at, in the last episode, how little they tie up. It's, it's I mean, six cliffhangers on top of each other in that can, last can episode. Can you explain to me something? Sure. And this is the moment where I really sealed the deal. Like, I don't think I'm the, uh, the uh, Star Wars market anymore, or I am so detached from a lot of things. Before you say anything, can I take a guess? Okay. Uh, each one is two words. I'm going to go with either uh, zombie stormtroopers. That's one. Or I'm going to go with space whales. That is three. Okay. <laughs> Three. That's, There's another one. Okay, so, uh, it's four switches. Yes, ah, four switches. Space wheel whales and yeah. the. But the thing on top of all of it was okay. Zombies. Yeah. Is is this something that I? Um, all three of those are heavily in the animated series and fleshed out and introduced. So this was a return of elements that have already been established. Okay, and it's but it doesn't make it better for me. I don't care how long it's existed. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> All of I, it. I will say I remember the first time encountering space whales in the animated series, and I was just like, nope. Yeah. But then I grew to love the space whales. I think your mileage will vary on Ahsoka, and it really comes down to does the words space whales make you want to watch this series or not watch this series? If the words space whales makes you not want to watch this series, you have not watched the animated series and stay away. Not even that they're just, just space away. whales. They're like these intergalactic traveling yes, space whales the... that can shoot like warp speed out of their ass. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yeah. So when <laughs> when the, the, when the original Star okay. Wars people's uh, wanted to start traveling faster than light, they realized there were these creatures. They studied you're, them. You're not. And they <laughs> developed their technology based on what these creatures could do naturally. Shooting warp speed out of their ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do to get to one place to the other. One, it's hyperdrive. Whatever. No, I, I get it. I, I understand how patently ludicrous it is. But when you take enough time to build this stuff in over episode, 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 when it's just background elements, you don't realize how much you're accepting. This is how cults work. You slowly feed them what they don't want until they're okay with it. That's true. That's true. Um, 100% agree with that. So again, if you're you're a Clone Wars fan, if, if you're a Rebels fan... You're going to like Ahsoka a lot more. Uh, this this answered all of my questions because I really wanted to know what it would be like for somebody who hadn't watched those. And your face, man, is just a map of a thousand journeys. It's I totally, just... yeah, I totally agree that like it, like from what I could gather from it, like it doesn't tie much up. Yeah, no, it no. does not. And I was one of the other things I was frustrated with. It has these great ideas, but it never seems to. And this is a Dave Filoni problem. Yeah. He would do the same thing in the Clone Wars and Rebels and and other things. Uh, Mandalorians the same way. They don't. They introduce these really good ideas, and they don't take them very far. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 that's a little frustrating. Um, all of my examples there are are really spoilers, but um, it, you'll know it when you see it. It's just. There are different elements where it's like, oh, that's a good idea. I bet next episode they're going to da 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 Nope. 
Yeah. It was just a, a momentary plot point to be cool. Uh-huh. It, it was not for world building's sake. The one character I really liked was the one like um, Sith kind of creature, yes. that guy. In, yeah. Uh, like, Ray Stevenson um, played uh, Balin Skull. That was the guy who like, turns into smoke. Is that? Oh, it? no. That's. Oh, the. Like the what, what would he be considered? The Inquisitor he... that doesn't speak. So he was a dead Inquisitor that was reanimated with Night Sister magic. Oh, he was well, a zombie. Okay, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> Maroc. I just like the idea of the smoke coming out of the thing, getting like kind of robotic, like yeah. armor suit, like that. Like if it was some being that was a smoke based being that then was set free, that's a better idea than. I hear you. I hear you. Again, like as soon as that smoke rolled out of him and he shrunk down to his skeleton, it, it's, yeah. it looks, I totally see why you think it was just the armor emptying, but it's actually shrinking down to like this bony corpse because it the felt, the smoke was what the, the witch had used to reanimate felt, him. Yeah. In that moment, it felt very like Hellboyish Guillermo. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and I love like when he uses stuff like that yeah. and then he was gone and like that was mm-hmm. only halfway through and I was like, Okay. Um, but the zombies, man, like I don't care how you paint zombies in Star Wars, it's the stupid it's a stupid idea. It's it is difficult when you know <laughs> that this series exists alongside of Andor. Because yes. nowhere in Andor would ever something hobble back to life with glowing green eyes. Ever. It's just not Andor would never do that. And I really love now that that, I can't remember the character's name, but the X-Wing pilot who is now just in every series and just shows up in every single one. It's just like, why is he here now? Because he's delightful, Clint. (laughs) He's so much fun. (laughs) Every time he has to encounter things that are just wild and unexplainable, he's just like, all right, because <laughs> he's seen it and he's tired of trying to figure it out. And so he's just like, sure, I'll go deliver the message. So there are these space whales and Jedi Ahsoka is going to ride in their mouth uh, to another galaxy to to, to stop Thrawn. Uh, and it's just, it's so, again, it's patently ludicrous. And yeah. it's, that that delights me, though. That's fun. And this all also made me realize why... I loved Andor so much yeah. and like Rogue One because both of those kind of get rid of everything Star Wars. Yeah. And I and I was like, oh yeah, I don't like Star Wars. I like these things because they're not really Star Wars. <laughs> well, and I think I think there's a future where they can just have two paths where you can know what you're walking into. Oh, yeah. this is in the Ahsoka Mandalorian path. I'm not even gonna watch it. Oh, this is like Andor side of the universe. I'm in. Yeah. Um it just they're they're and that that's an underlying problem because it feels like they're two distinctly different Star Wars universes for sure that do not I, like I don't know how you do a crossover between these two series because any element from this series crossing over into Andor would not make right. tonal sense at all. Uh, they'd really have to to figure something out there because mm-hmm. um, even as close to mystical as Rogue One gets is the the Donnie Yen character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even that, he is not, like there's the suggestion that he is somehow using the force because he's just walking through a, a battlefield and he's able to to see though he's blind. You know, there, there are these little touches, but he's not full out force pushing or busting out a lightsaber or lifting things with his mind. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it works. Yeah. I mean, and that like, ties back to you know like 
a new hope and stuff because the extent of it in that too is just you know pulling your lightsaber towards yourself yeah (laughs) all right well we are talking about uh three different movies today three female-led horror movies well uh first we have a mailbag we do have a mailbag clint Is it that I'm the one that's supposed to be on top of this? And I feel like this is even though we have a plan, I always forget something. I'm so excited to get to the next thing. Yeah. That I forget. We do have a mailbag. Uh, We actually have several messages, but this is the one that really stuck out to me for this episode. Uh, This is just Katie from Minnesota. It goes perfectly with our, um, you know, our our main movies we're going to talk about. You know, though, I have noticed something about our mailbag. Maybe it's just that females write in more than males, but I don't think so based on other podcasts. But typically, movie podcasts have a larger male audience than female audience. And ours, just from the mailbag, seems 50-50. It That's seems cool. like we have a yeah a mix of, of female listeners and and male listeners, which maybe I'm wrong, but it's just it's kind of cool because uh, our Instagram page is definitely not mixed. <laughs> it is like heavily skewed male. Um, but that's you know, the energy that you put out with the posts that you put. It up. is. It is. I am just full testosterone ring. Test. 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 Anyway, got it. I'm full that thing. Yeah. With movie art. Testies. There you go. All right. Uh, Katie says, hi, all. Giant horror fan here, but I'm only 26, so there's plenty left to find and watch. Can you recommend your top five lesser known or least talked about horror films I should check out this October? Thanks. Love the podcast. Clint, uh, what what are your kind of five? I don't know if you did more or you <laughs> I just do stuck to more. five. I, I have some honorable mentions, too, but let's... um. Do you want to go back and forth or do you sure, just Sure, let's wanna... go back and forth. All right. Why don't you start? Um, well, the first one, and I don't know how, like, this is one I feel like I never hear anyone talk about, but like maybe people do. And uh, if you have seen this one, you said Katie? Yes, Katie. I just maybe watch it again. <laughs> and this is The Bird by David Cronenberg, which is one of my like favorites of his. Is that 76, 74? 79. 79, okay. Yeah, and this one just like, Man, the pacing of it is so interesting. It's very slow. And I love the ideas it's playing with. And like, it's body horror, but like, not done in the most typical way um, that you would expect. Um, I love the the horror kind of escaping from another body and you're not able to, con- like you're using yeah. it as, you know, a- as a tool for your own um, misuse, but also like, uh, you can't really control it completely, uh, but I mean, just some Im- there's images in with this movie that just stick with me, and this is one of my top Cronenberg movies. And I feel like since it's like kind of an earlier one, like it gets forgotten a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mine is also my first one is also from the '70s, and I kind of went around because. There are some, uh, like you said, I think the 70s and 80s particularly, there are a lot of horror films that, especially if Katie is, I think she said 26, mm. uh, that's an era that that you miss a lot of gems. And, and I get it. There are a lot of just really outdated 
outmoded kind of movies of the era. And so I, I get why the the whole era sort of can be sweeped under the rug. But I, I looked at a couple. We've talked about Suspiria before. That's that's definitely one to revisit. I yeah. have not always had the best experience with it, but Clint recommended I watch it again. And I watched it, I think, last month and was shocked because suddenly I'm like, I get it. Yeah. It just clicked. Yeah. And it wasn't like you gave me any sort of like, you know, code, code key to, to figure it out. But, uh, you know, so I thought about Suspira. There was this great movie we talked about that was a real shock called Peeping Tom. Oh, right. Uh, that That's was, on my list, too. Is it? Okay. I won't talk much well, about it, but that no, was just genuinely You go a, a ahead surprise. because I, I made my initial five and yeah. then I included ones that we've talked about just to maybe like go back and listen to our conversations. Okay. And that was one of them. Uh, Peeping Tom is just basically... A, a, a really early serial killer flick that is, it will genuinely get under your skin. Uh, I, I don't want to say a lot more about it than that. It just, it, it was it sixties. Yeah. I, I want to, yeah, it was earlier, but it, it's so good. It, uh, cause we talked about it. It came out around the same time as psycho and it sort of got lost in the hubbub about psycho. But, uh, you know, I, I think we had talked about, is this a better movie than psycho? And I think as a horror movie, Peeping Tom might be better. And maybe it's just because Psycho oversaturated things of the time. But And didn't the director kind of get blacklisted yes. a little bit because this movie yes. was kind of for the time it period? too many pushed, boundaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what I finally went with, I know that's a big lead up to my first <laughs> one. What I finally went with was the original, I believe it's 1974, I didn't write it down, but Black Christmas, yeah. which stunned me. That yep. was another one that we watched. Mm-hmm. And I could not believe how good that movie was. So good. Especially when... And what you hear about, especially from the 80s, is your Friday the 13th and your Nightmare on Elm Streets. And these are your, you know, stalk the the victim and slasher kind of flicks. Mm -hmm. This thing um, has some real good tension and suspense and and just frighting. And really well-rounded characters. Really believable characters, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that aren't just your kind of dime store college kid yeah, uh, one-dimensional kind of thing. So, yeah, my first big recommendation is the original Black Christmas. I don't think I've watched anytime recently the one they released, the remake in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can skip that one. This is this is the original, 1974. And don't be afraid of the date. It just it's a genuinely like yes, you can see the building blocks that led to other films, but it it really it's it's a a good flick that really stands on its own two feet. Um, wasn't there one from like, like three or four years ago too, but it was more of like an action. Maybe, maybe like, it was, maybe it was 2016, 2017, not 2006. Oh, maybe. Or maybe there were two remakes. There, I, I, yeah, I there know. could have been. Um, but yep. yeah. Yeah. The other thing, uh, the next one I was going to talk about, which this one, maybe people have come around to a little bit, but this is one that I watched for no particular reason, like long time ago and it's just stuck with me and we've talked about talked about this one and this is uh in the mouth of madness by john carpenter that's on my honorable mentions 1995 Mm -hmm. and this one man like i feel like it just it it is the closest to capturing that lovecraftian horror like compared to so many other things like this does such a better job like even like lovecraft like um you know like direct like stories that like that have been made into films. Like I like this is not even that. It's just like kind of, you know, playing with those ideas. Yeah. And I feel like it always like gets under my skin and like it, I notice new things about it um that creep me out, especially, you know, as I'm getting older and stuff. And uh yeah, if 
it's it's a great great film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next and Sam Neill is yeah oh, man. Sam Neill's always great. He's he is one, one of, of the most under. Uh, rated actors. He's so good. I love him yeah. and everything I see him in. Like I, <laughs> this is a film, the show I, uh, I watched the entire first season and it's, um, oh, what is it called? It's on Apple. Uh, it's this, it also oh, an invasion mm-hmm. and it's alien invasion. And he's in the first episode as this like small town, like a uh, sheriff who's retiring he dies in the first episode, and the enti- I watched the entire first season of this, expecting, oh, they're going to bring him back as yeah. you know some in some interesting way. He's never talked about again. About again, I'm like, why did you get Sam yeah. Neill to do this, and why did he agree? Like he was probably promised that, like, oh yeah, you're coming back, and never comes back. And I was so disappointed. But yeah, Sam Neill. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my second movie, I will skip all of the intros to. There is lots of Japanese and Korean uh, horror movies uh, that you can find that that really have some some great things. And I I thought about which one to put on here, but really uh, the one that unsettles me the most. It is the creepiest, is the most disturbing, uh, possibly horror movie uh, in in the top that I've seen is 1999's Audition. Oh um, yeah. And this is from director Takashi Miike. Yeah. And if you've never seen a Takashi Miike film, uh, something possibly wrong with this man. Uh, But this is (laughs) – this starts as this very just kind of sweet, mildly creepy thing where uh, there's an older Japanese man who happens to work for like a a production studio. And he wants a wife. And so he decides they're going to audition wives for a new game show, even though this game show doesn't exist. Uh-huh. This is just his way of finding and manipulating someone into falling in love with him. The girl that he finds uh, seems sweet, very lovely, very quiet. Then there is this moment in the movie uh, where she's just sitting, talking on the phone. You can't even see her face. And stuff is happening in her apartment that is just chilling. And where this movie goes, it just uh, never trust strangers, kids. Uh, and if you're going to manipulate someone into loving you, uh, you deserve what you get. Uh, <laughs> those are the two lessons of audition. But I, I genuinely, like the first time I saw it, maybe even the second time, you get wrapped up in kind of how disturbing and, and the different imagery and, and things like that. When you go back and you just watch this movie, it has a lot of really, really just beautiful shots and smart filmmaking and just uh, just poetic kind of uh, uh, visualizations uh, to what is otherwise a, just a horrifying kind of event. Um, and it just, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if that counts as body horror since it's torture, but I count this one as one of the few films that involve torture that elevates to body horror because it just, oh, anyway. Audition, Black Christmas, and Audition. Clint, what's your third? My third is um, a film that I was not aware of until recently, but I was also, this director was kind of a blind spot and I'd seen, you know, little piece, little, like some films by him, but like I've become a big fan the more I've seen. This is Brian De Palma's Sisters. Mm. Um, And this is from 1972. Um, And... I was so surprised by this. And this is like when he um, 
is really tapping into that Hitchcock vibe and his love for Hitchcock and like perfectly nailing it, but also doing new things with it. And uh, Margot Kidder plays twin sisters in it. And she is so good at, you know, differentiating the, the, the differences between both of them. And it's, you know, it's kind of a little bit like rear window. It's kind of a um, little bit like psycho. There's like a lot of different elements into in it that I wasn't expecting. And it was a lot more, you know, um, you know, subtle in some ways than I was mm-hmm. expecting from like a Brian De Palma because, I don't know. I feel like he's known for like his more like erotic thrillery kind of stuff. But man, his horror is like so great. And um, I had never seen Carrie up to that point. So this like made me I like, you know, finally dive into that one and realizing why that one is such a classic. And uh, it lives up to, you know, everything that I had heard about it. It mm-hmm. was so much more interesting than I was expecting. You know, you know, in that film, you know, the classic scene of her at the the prom, but everything leading up to that is just as interesting. And uh, same thing with this one. I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it going in, but I was so happy to, you know, um, become familiar with it. So, yeah, Sisters is great. Uh, My third one is a little Canadian flick from 2008 called Pontypool. And uh, this is about a kind of radio shock DJ who is just broadcasting. I, I think it's him and maybe two other people that are in the studio with him. And something starts to happen, and you don't get to see anything outside of the studio. Everything takes place in this uh, radio booth, uh, offices, you know, that sort of thing. Um, But something is happening, and this quickly becomes one of the most, I think, interesting zombie movies you've never seen. Hmm. Um, It's a different kind of zombie. It's a different kind of infection. It's a much more uh, psychological uh, and cerebral kind of zombie movie. Uh, but it also it just it gets the blood, it gets the scares. Uh, you know, you you start to even feel for this guy who's kind of an absolute jerk. Um, but it's it's just it it paints a really interesting picture. It's very claustrophobic. Uh, it's very low budget, but not in a way that it's obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, just something that as you realize, oh, they haven't gone out of this studio. This is I bet this didn't cost too much. Um, but it's just, it's, it's got some good stuff. And for somebody who is a, this is going to sound weird, but for somebody who is an English literature major, uh, this is the horror movie for English literature majors. <laughs> Do you like words? Do they sometimes scare you? Pawnee pool. Yeah. There you go. What you got for number four, Clint? My number four is, um, a film that when it came out, I think was really maligned and like, I think as time has come around, come uh, gone on people have come around to it and uh because i i remember when it was first came out like it was only like 40 or 50 percent of rotten tomatoes mm-hmm. now i looked and it's like 80 some and this is under the skin by john glazer oh yeah uh from I 2014 this is one of my favorite films from the last like 10 years like i if anybody asks what movie to watch i'm always like a little uh apprehensive to tell them but i'm like if you want something challenging and really interesting and also surprisingly beautifully shot, um, and really unsettling. So unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, check out, um, under the skin and man, uh, Scarlett Johansson is at her best in this film. Like she's so subtle in this, um, and is 
playing somebody who could have easily been one note at um in such interesting ways from yeah. scene to scene and some of the most visually striking moments in cinema that I've seen in a mm-hmm. long time, like uh, maybe ever like uh, so uh, such original idea for sci-fi horror. Yeah. Um, it will test your patience, Yep. but as time has gone on for me, and like I said, I, with Ahsoka, I don't think I'm a nostalgic person, but I think that I'm a patient person and when a film kind of is wanting your patience, I always lean into that and, uh, and kind of enjoy when something can take its time. I think it also, it, it might just be your first time that requires that patience because you're so like, okay, where is this going? <clears throat> Give me yeah. something. And it it doesn't. Whereas when I watched it the second and third time, those opening moments have a lot more to them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. First time, it's just not playing in the same rules that a lot of other, like you know, films play with, and they're pushing those boundaries of, you know, how a scene should go and the pacing that we're familiar with in the West. Yeah, Um, yeah. All right. Well, I also had a Lovecraft category, uh, but since you uh, had already mentioned Mouth Madness, uh, I'll kind of go further down my list. Uh, one was The Blob from 1989, yep. uh, which is really great science slash cosmic horror, uh, way better than than you would ever think. And man, the practical effects in that movie. They're um, a thing level. They, they really are. They really are. Uh, but the one I'm going to go with instead is on Netflix. It's a movie that came out just a few years ago. It's called Ritual. It's about uh, four <laughs> friends who are kind of recovering from uh, the loss of another and uh, they're just they're out hiking. One of them gets injured and they decide to take a shortcut through uh, the forest so they can get their their injured friend kind of back to civilization uh, quicker. And they run into something in the middle of the forest, uh, some sort of creature they can't quite get their eyes on. They run into then uh, just a little village of people and it goes from there. This is uh, kind of on the earthy end of of the Lovecraft spectrum, but mm-hmm. it's it's still that idea of just some sort of otherworldly entity that does not follow the laws of time and space strictly. Yeah. And uh, I love anything that picks up that that kind of piece from Lovecraft where it's the cultists and the idea of a, a monstrosity that is too uh, indescribable to not drive you mad, uh, you know, if you're staring at or encountering it. And um, the ritual just, it it really does a good job kind of building things up and um, uh, the effects are good. I just, mm-hmm. I love the creature design. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love the the four actors. I think they, they give really good performances. Um, some people might think this gets a little hokey at the end. Uh, but again, it's that cultist angle um, that uh, that also has kind of a midsummer vibe and, uh, um, yeah. you know, some of the Ari Aster stuff, uh, kind of that folklore horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, The Blob and and more to the point, Ritual. My fifth, which I I had a couple others, but I just watched the film. So I, I was considering Brain Damage by Frank uh, Henry Lauder from 1988. I was, and have, if you haven't seen that, I recommend it. It's weird and fun. Uh, Carnival of Souls from uh, Herc Harvey from 1962 is one that as time has gone on has grown on me and I it's unsettling and 
Um, Can I hijack and also throw into their house, Hasu? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is a, a twisty little ghost thriller yeah, so, from way back. Yeah, it's great and fun. It's so yeah, fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Carnival of Souls. But the one I, I just watched, and I, I was kind of online going through other people's lists of, like, you know, uh, horror films that were forgotten or, or overlooked. And um, this one kept coming up on lists, and I'd seen it around but never really paid it too much mind. And this is uh, Lake Mungo mm -hmm. uh, by Joel Anderson, mm -hmm. um, and this is from 2008. Yep. Have you seen this film? I have. And I Recently. yeah, I just watched this the other night, and I was super blown away by yeah. it. Um, it really creeped me out. Um, and if you don't know anything about it, it's basically like I'm not going to say mockumentary; it's documentary style. Um, but one of the most convincing mm -hmm. fake documentaries that I've ever seen. It and feels very it, real. There's moments where I had to remind myself this is not real. Yeah. And um, because the actors are so great at pulling it off and just they they have all the tropes of a, a documentary that you expect, like, you know, the um, reenactment footage and uh, like different, you know, film stocks and things that, you know, a family would have um, as the years go on of the family. Uh, it's, but just the ghost story alone was so well done. And I loved how they played with it and like how it would go from, oh, nothing is going on to like, it's a hoax to um, no, there is something going on. Like it, it was really twisty in a yeah. natural way, not in a manipulative way. Yeah. It almost felt like a Netflix uh, or, or one of the streaming true crime yeah, or, uh, true horror, but yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah, kind of docs for sure. Just like a three episode miniseries or yep. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is before any of that's really yeah. taken off, um, yeah. or, or really happening. But I was super surprised by this, and I, uh, I think it'll be one that I revisit uh, from now on. Um, so yeah, Lake Mungo was yeah. really good. That's really good. That's on my kind of honorable mentions. Uh, the ones I haven't gotten to. Your next. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, Cabin in the Woods, Cujo is a really good one. Uh, Eden Lake, uh, early Michael Fassbender, uh, that's mm. pretty brutal, pretty good. The Strangers, which the original Strangers <laughs> yeah. is one I had the most palpable physical reaction to coming out of the theater. We saw that together. And going home. Yeah, I, yeah, that was one where uh got under my skin so much, like I'm checking around corners yep. as I'm walking in my house. Yep. When I when I got home, I had the most just the deepest sense of dread getting out yeah. of my car because we had gone at night. Uh, ghost Stories. Uh, I'd already said Peeping Tom, Dead Again from Peter Jackson. Oh, uh, yeah. Super foul and gross, over-the-top zombie flick. Uh, Dark Song, which I love. Clint's not as huge a fan of. Resurrection, we just talked about. Hmm. I would put in horror. Uh, Hereditary Mother, Jacob's Follows, or Jacob's Ladder, It Follows. Um, these are all just, I don't know, if you haven't seen these movies, Get out uh, a notepad and and rewind and scribble all those down and all of Clint's because putting these to five is so hard. Yeah. Well, the other one that I had that I just watched the other night too, and I never heard of this, and it's called Body Parts from, <laughs> by Eric Red from ninety one. Yep. It was such fun and like yeah. is good body horror. Like it gets really weird by the end of this film. And this movie has a 42% of Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. It is not a 42% no. movie. Like, no. I can't believe this is not like a cult classic. Um, but I had this this little list of films that we've talked about. Um, 
that I didn't want to talk about again, really. So like Possum, you, mm-hmm. you had the blob from 1980, uh, 1988, the platform, which mm-hmm. that was a great, yeah. um, watcher. Oh, I love watcher. I know. Watcher's so good. Think of that one. Uh, Peeping Tom, a uh, possession mm-hmm. and then Slither, which is just great fun. Yeah. Early, early, early James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really creepy. Uh, the one I finally went with might be a little bit of a cheat. I think this is the biggest uh, studio. Is flick this your on fifth? Here. This is my fifth. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't realize I interrupted your. No, fifth. no, no. Oh, okay. I we got all the lists out. All right. This is one Clint and I both loved, and it's it's probably better known just from the title than maybe fits into this category. But I really don't think enough people have watched it, uh, and that's because. Uh, it can be so easily dismissed for so many reasons. And that is Dr. Sleep. Um, mm. I, man, yeah, there is there is nothing in the last uh, at least 10 or 20 years that has <clears throat> chilled me as much as this movie. And it, it gets kind of dismissed for a lot of reasons. Oh, it's a sequel to The Shining and The Shining's better. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Uh, this is a really solid uh, horror movie and and I would say three parts. There are three really distinct, uh, equally good and equally scary sections of this movie. It's got great villains. Uh, it's it's got real uh, just moments of of dread, and it combines a lot of elements that really shouldn't work. Uh, this should feel overpacked, but oh my goodness, this thing! Um, there's one scene in particular where a little psychic girl is just dialing into the murder of this boy. And it's it's one of the most upsetting things I've seen in a long time. Yeah. It's it's so effective, uh, and it's it's not played for gratuity. It's just the idea of what's happening to this poor kid. Yeah, yeah. It really comes across in this movie, uh, and especially if you're a fan of The Shining. Uh, I know some people checked out of this movie once it got to The Shining moment. They didn't like that part. Clint and I love that part. Oh yeah, and thought it really honored the original film plus the original book, which is no easy task. Uh, and and really kind of justifies itself as a sequel. Was a sequel necessary? No. But by the end of this thing, I would argue based on what we get, yes, because it's such a good uh, kind of follow-up. Um, and so obviously, I mean, watch The Shining because it's great. But uh, yeah, my fifth one's Doctor Sleep. That's great. I And um, if you're not familiar, Mike Flanagan, he's the one who directed yep. that, and he's done numerous um, series for Netflix. One that is really outstanding is Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. but all of his are really great. Um, yeah. And he's in just really um, well executed character pieces set in these horror landscapes. Yep. Um, but what he's, I think he's one of the best horror directors yeah. currently. And um, yeah. he has a new series coming out uh, House of Usher, yeah. The Fall of the House of Usher. It's supposed to come out. Tomorrow, I yeah, think, yeah, this week. So I'm looking forward uh, to that. It's getting really good buzz. That's awesome. So, so yeah, excited. Mike Flanagan, just go down that rabbit hole. All right, so let's go over to our kind of main attractions. We are talking today about Talk to Me, which just hit Blu-ray and 4K. We're talking about No One Will Save You, which is an alien invasion flick that that just popped up on Hulu, and we are talking about a 2022 movie, our Cinetron pick, Piggy. But let's start with Talk to Me. 
Talk to me. Uh, here's the plot. When a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits with an embalmed hand, they become hooked on this new thrill and high-stakes party game. Until, that is, one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Uh, this stars a cast of relatively unknowns. You'll see some familiar faces like Miranda Otto pop up in there. Uh, and this is from directors uh, Danny Philippou and Michael Philippou. I guess they're brothers. They're twin brothers. Uh, twin brothers. Yeah. This is an A24 production and surprised me. Uh, this is an Australian flick. Uh, its budget was $4.5 million, which they got a lot of mileage out of $4.5 million. But Clint, what did you think of Talk to Me? Will you redo all that in your Australian accent? No. <laughs> 100% no. <laughs> Dang it. It was a shot. <laughs> Good day. Good day, mate. Um, so you, you had. I recommended this. You recommended I this. Uh, this was getting a lot of buzz. It was. And still is. It is. Um, and you kind of like confirmed. Hopped right on that You train. hopped right on. You confirmed the buzz. You yep. were like supporting the buzz. I am. I am. Um, you were, you recommended this to me. And so um, I, I watched this film. That's why we're here today mm -hmm. talking it about is. it. It is. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I watched this film twice. Twice. Because the first time, I didn't like this movie. Really? Yeah. At all? Not really Not at even all. just like a, it was fine. Well, I would say it was fine. It was fine the first time. The what made you watch it a second time then? Because I felt like I was wrong or missed something. And I wanted to do due diligence for this okay. due diligence okay. for this this podcast. And then you That's, found what I'm was great about it, right? No. I had basic <laughs> okay. I had basically the exact same reaction. <laughs> okay. Some of the moments worked a little bit better for me. Okay. But my takeaway was I don't like any of these people and I don't want to hang out with them. Interesting. <laughs> and so Interesting. two hours with them was a little daunting, and I didn't care about uh, where any of it went. I felt like the second half of this film, it gets to a point where they don't know what to do with this story anymore. <laughs> there, it gets past a point with what happens to uh, – in a there's a big moment in the film. Mm -hmm. I felt like the second half of this movie, they were didn't know what to do anymore. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I think this huh. movie is fine. I don't think it is the buzz everyone is, like is worth. It, really? Oh man! Tell me what you like about this film. Well, I don't know now. Now I'm questioning <laughs> myself. No, uh, I I love uh, kind of urban legend horror. Uh, I'm already a sucker for that. I actually found the teen characters unlikable, but I found them believable. Mm. And anytime I'm watching teen characters, that's what I need. I don't expect to like them because. Teenagers are generally other than to each other. They can be pretty unlikable. They're insufferable. They're 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 tough. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough to swallow sometimes uh, because they just everything in their universe is about uh, pursuing things that will entertain themselves in their immediate circle. Yeah. So in the believability score category, this really registered for me, and so I didn't I didn't go in trying to find somebody to like. I felt for the main character, but. I did She's up to all a point. Kinds of a mess. There was a point where she totally lost me. Okay. Was it a specific point or just you got tired of being with her? No, the the kind of big centerpiece of this film. Okay. Do we want to go spoiler so I can just talk uh, about it? In a minute. Okay. Let me let me finish kind of what right. I no problem. I, I think I think my general reaction to it is uh I caught on to kind of the the teen desire to find things to uh, reach a state of euphoria. Yeah. And so this 
this was a very strange introduction into a kind of horror mythos because it's it's following a track where the kids love what this thing is doing to them. Right. And there are rules. They just need to follow these rules. But at the same time, they're getting their kicks off of this thing. And I found that really interesting. I found it interesting that they weren't stopping to question what was happening here. It gave them what they desired. And so they just kept going with it. Um, and and I like that. I, I knew exactly where it was going. I knew that because this girl, and it's, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Uh, you know, because this girl has lost her mother, you know, in the process of one of these seances, her mother is going to somehow come into it. And so when it finally happened, uh, it's it, pretty it struck sorry. me as a believable reason why yeah. they break the rules. And it's pretty obvious that you're op- you're going to open this door, you're not going to be able to close it Correct. again. And that's, I mean, they even say as much when they yeah. first introduced the rules. It's like after 90 seconds, yeah. you got to be out of this thing or, you know, other things come in. Right. Um, so, so I like that. This this kind of gave me the the It Follows vibe, uh, where it's not about liking the characters as much as it is watching them try to survive a situation beyond themselves. But in fo- It Follows, I did like the characters yeah. in that, and I this I think part of it is this angle of horror is never very interesting to mm-hmm. me. The angle of like It Follows that just like you know never stopping. Um, slow moving thing that just, you know, basically death coming yeah. for you is gets much more under my skin than this does. Yeah. And there's a, decisions made by characters in this that are almost unforgivable. Well, let's go ahead into spoilers right. since we're talking about stuff like that. So spoilers from here on to the end of our talk to me review. Uh, what what are some of these specifics? They, the they main character making the decision with the younger brother to, to kill oh, him. No, to allow him to do gotcha, to do the the ritual mm-hmm. basically, and we, even to the the wishes like to the wishes of her friend, her and her yeah. the sister, like not listening and when it's they're not her place at all, and it, it like gets to like she makes this decision for everyone that mm-hmm. he's allowed to do this thing, it basically uh you know kills him. He's completely possessed, um, puts him in this coma like state. Like, she's unforgivable from that point on. Interesting. From that point on, like, she didn't listen. She wasn't a good friend. She wasn't, uh, you know, basically a good surrogate sister, surrogate sister to this boy. Um, and, and then, see, like, for me, that was the moment where I knew she can't make it out of this movie. Like, if she makes it out of this movie yeah. alive, that's a problem. But if she bears out the consequences of these things, then it's not a problem to me. Right. Well, and then it's just there's a point where, like, the mother forgives her, and it's like, why would you forgive this person? Like, there was just little things that didn't reign true to me. Gotcha. Um, and, and from that point on, it's like, how can I, like, I can understand the angle of, like, you want to see this person get her comeuppance, like what you're saying, kind of. But, like, you have to spend a whole another half hour with this person when she's basically the villain gotcha. now. And I just didn't enjoy that side of gotcha. it. And I think my thing, main thing was I, this, this angle of horror, like I'm saying, like this, the, the seance, seance being, horror. Seance horror. Um, I think they did a great job with the visuals of what they're seeing when they go into this state. Mm-hmm. But I felt like also the, the angle of basically they're, 
using it as this drug of a, escapism and was a little heavy handed. Okay. Um, and I didn't understand the, the, like the, the whole dynamic of, um, like social media, like what were they trying to say about that? Because it was just like a, a little thing, like they're, they're filming this, but like, they didn't really go into that enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, and, and I just, I, I thought the same thing. I just took it as a, they document everything to the point that the internet is so saturated that even though there are kids dying in this wild supernatural thing happening, nobody's even cluing into it. Even if they find it, they're just like, oh, special effects, like fun YouTubers. Uh, yeah. So I, I think it was just more of a, a an element of their culture and, and how inefficient it was in actually saving them from what was going to come. I was expecting like, I, I like the, the boyfriend character, mm -hmm. um, where he goes into, does the seance and basically making out with a dog, like, mm. and they're filming it and like they upload it. And then he's like, his life's ruined because he's super gotcha. Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't go like, into any like of that. that kind of stuff could have been interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think it really all just comes down to just this world of horror is not very interesting to me. Okay. And I don't think any, like, I don't, I just wish it was expecting more uh, with how much buzz is around this, that it was going to do a lot more for me and it didn't do any of those things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's very well-spoken and interesting. I, uh, it, yeah, that's, that's one of those things where like, I completely see what you're saying and I don't disagree yeah. that somebody could walk away. That's a very legitimate reaction to this movie. Yeah. Uh, if you're not going to like it, I could see that. But are there any other like reasons why you think I For me, should? But like, I, I was the I'm kid just... who found seance horror and Ouija board horror. That stuff was terrifying to me because oh, I, I was raised in the satanic panic. And yeah. it was a, this is a real gateway to demons, these board games. And so those things have always creeped me out. So I, I came to this, I think the minute that hand came out, even though I knew that's what happened in the movie, uh, the minute that hand came out, just the hair on the back of my neck would go up. And it was tapping into some things that had already previously scared me as a child. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even though I'm, I'm past those sorts of things, it just, it tapped into those creep centers. And I think that undercurrent kept me uh, engaged a lot more than it sounds like it did for you. Yeah, I, because I, I mean, I grew up in that same time period of just, but it was more like my parents didn't hammer that stuff home as no. probably as heavily because maybe when we got involved with the church, it was a little bit more past that yeah. time period. And they were definitely like, oh, don't play with Ouija boards and stuff. But it like, it was almost more of me rolling my eyes at like, that's gotcha. silly in any way. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. So it just never was a factor in me being creeped out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I wish I liked it more than I did. I don't know. You know, you're entitled to your opinion, Clint. I recognized <laughs> all the qualities that why people Yeah, this like could it. have been a really irritating, teen-centric, heavy music, yeah. uh, flashing lights kind of, you know, very modern style horror film. Yeah. Um, but it, it, had, it had much more of a uh, kind of Stranger Things throwback vibe. Uh, even though it doesn't take place in the 80s, obviously, it, it right. had more of an 80s vibe than you would expect from a movie that that had cell phones and such. Yeah, and that's, a, I think, a strange thing when you think about the early moments of this film where it almost felt like they were trying to do some commentary yeah. on social media. And then, like, it just disappears and almost like you're saying it becomes 
a throwback yeah. almost. Yeah, my only takeaway from the phones and stuff is like, oh, this would have been a this movie would have been even better if it was set in the eighties, if it was yeah. set before cell phones, uh, where it's just this group of kids and there's no way for anybody else to stumble across it or find out about it. Can there was something that was this is probably just me, like that was bothering me the entire time. And I just kept thinking about about that hand and like how it looks so top heavy. And I, I can't like yeah. how is that standing up? Like I just don't lead think base. <laughs> you think it has lead base? Lead base. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything supernatural. I think these kids all are experiencing lead poisoning. Big magnet. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's no, I I I thought the same thing because the whole story is it's not just a sculpture. Which a, you could yeah. sculpt it like that, but right. it actually has a like, a hand inside, yeah, an embalmed yeah. hand. And that would have more weight at the hand than it <laughs> yeah, would it at would, the that might be, elbow. Maybe that would have got me more, like if it was just kept, it just falling, kept over, falling over. And they're like, ah, oh, damn it. All right, you have to set it up first. Yeah. Then you say, talk to me. Then you say, I let you in. Yeah, or they have like a little thing of sand they stick it in, like to, like or soil. Yeah, little, like, little, just a little garden. Yeah. A little hand garden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our next movie is on Hulu right now. It is called No One Will Save You. It's an alien invasion flick, uh, and it stars. Let me scroll down. Caitlin, uh, Dever. Caitlin Dever. Dever. Yeah. Caitlin Dever. Uh, you will recognize her if you watched Rosalind, uh, which was actually a cute and funny kind of retelling of Romeo and Juliet mm. uh, from the perspective of some minor characters. You can find that on Hulu too. Uh, anybody else you recognized in this? Because there's not a lot of actors. No, I mean it's basically her the entire yeah. time. Yeah, this is this is kind of a one woman show. This mm. is also almost entirely dialogue free, uh, for good reason. Once you're watching the movie, I mean it makes sense, but uh, I think there is two lines of dialogue at the same time in this entire film. Kind of whispered too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't really. Uh, but the character's name is Bryn. Bryn finds solace within the walls of the home where she grew up until she's awakened one night by strange noises from unearthly intruders. Uh, that's a very bare-bones plot description. Uh, something has happened to this girl. She has done something that mm -hmm. has made her entire town hate her. You don't get to find out what that is right away, uh, but you you get the very real sense that she does not want to be around people because she recognizes they all hate her. And so she lives a very isolated, lonely life She's kind of given no option. Um, yeah, she she doesn't have an option <laughs> until one night she wakes up in the middle of the night. There's strange noises in the house and she goes down and look at that, an alien. Clint, what did you think of No One Will Save You? Well, I went into this not knowing that it was basically a silent, like no dialogue film. And um, as further it goes on, like, I mean, it makes sense early on, like because she is alone in this house, like who's she going to talk to um, then like, as it's going on like, she has the opportunity to talk to people there, it doesn't happen. Um, she's, you know, secluded in her own mind and, and thoughts and she's not going to be, I mean, everyone hates her. So there's no point, <laughs> there's no sharing to be done. So any way, um, as it's going on, I'm like admiring it more and more for just this alone, not, not even getting to the, you know, the action beats of what she's encountering with the aliens and stuff, which is really fun and actually really impressive for a film at this size. Um, but I just thought, man, like the daringness to make kind of a big budgety, like it's not big budget, but like it, it looks big budgety, like, uh, you know, main tentpole uh, studio film, 
with no dialogue, I was so impressed by that idea and loved that they were willing to allow them to do this, do it, that I I, I walked away from this really liking this film. Um, it works on like a, just a sci-fi level, a, a, you know, a horror level. I thought she was a really strong character. And for, especially without any dialogue, you get every beat of what she's going through emotionally and, um, and what her past was. I, I was super interested in, you know, what she did and why everyone hates her and why she, um, is she deserving of this? And the mystery of that was really compelling throughout. Um, I actually walked away from this, liking this movie quite a bit. What did you think? I love this movie. Awesome. I mean, I <laughs> I had a reaction and a half. I've I've already watched this three times now. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I took Levi back to watch it. I watched it a, another time just mm. on my own. Um, I keep a list through the year so I don't have to figure it out at the end of the year for our, our final episode. But I keep a list of, like, my favorite films. Yeah. And I just keep them ranked as I go. And this one, maybe it's hyperbolic, but for now, it's it's literally sitting on top of my list. Oh wow! Uh, I I cannot tell you how much I respected the craft of this movie. Yeah, and for several reasons, you already talked about the silence and things like that. Uh, that was really impressive, completely unexpected, and not just a gimmick. It's not just something no. where it's like, oh, we're we're being silent the whole time. It reminded me of All Is Lost with Robert Redford, where. Mm. It's a man surviving on a boat by himself in a storm. There's no reason. He's just not somebody who talks to himself. Yeah. There's no reason for him to have any dialogue except for you, the audience, to hear. So stripping that away right. makes it feel so much more real. This did that exact same thing. And in the moments where it was almost like uh, necessary, like when she would encounter somebody, yeah. there was good reason why she either didn't have a chance yep. or she didn't feel it was necessary to like in an emotional beat way. Yep. Um, it, it, every instance, it made perfect sense in the, like the, the time when there's like one line and it's kind of a whispered thing. It is really impactful. Yeah. And, um, and it makes perfect sense in that moment, why she does. Yeah. And, um, but throughout, like I was never missing anything. I was, we're kind of rooting that they never would because like, man, it is, this is a big studio. Yeah. Was this Fox searchlight yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, this could have easily been a theatrical release. I can see why they released it streaming. I would I have think, loved to um, see this. I would have loved screen. to see it in the theater. Yeah. I just wonder how much struggle they would have had getting an audience for it. But uh, it, it like prey, um, not that the two are similar. It's just like prey. I'm like, why wasn't this in theaters? Yeah. Uh, this is an, an excellent film that really could, you know, benefit from that big screen treatment. The other thing about the craft that really got me is that, you know, that because this is this solitary character, she's going to survive at least to the end. Maybe she's going to die at the end, but we got to have a character to get us to yeah, the yeah. end. She gets out of things uh, constantly, which should be a detriment and should be annoying, should make her feel like this is a Fast and Furious movie and she's invincible. No. They are so smart, yeah. uh, the, the filmmakers, in how they have conceived her getting out of each situation. Yeah, yeah. She gets out by the skin of her teeth, uh, sometimes by luck, sometimes by wit, sometimes uh, even when there's this great moment, just I think for levity's sake, where she's like, oh, it's on. And she goes into like home alone mode and sets <laughs> all these traps. 
really doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just as soon as the next alien bursts in, uh, you can see that, like, well, that was for nothing. Because she's just <laughs> immediately thrown off her game. Right. Um, you know, it just, it felt very real. She felt very real. And I was constantly, there's there's one point where this alien has her kind of trapped on a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about to go into another section of this movie because it does all the alien invasion things. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, how is she getting out of this? Oh, she's not. Well, how's she getting out of this? And she does, but it it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's, it is this whole movie is so organic and so believable. I love the alien designs. They were different. They were new. I could well, understand. Up to a point. Well, yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I could understand how each creature functioned. That there was a hierarchy. I understood they had different roles. I um, yeah. There I were, think there were different things you can intuit there. I think the weakest point for me was the aliens really? and just their motivation. Oh, yeah. I was trying to like that. I was trying to gather like what is their why are they here? Is there some other is this parasite like almost like it's taken over them too yeah. or are they in charge of it putting it into the people? Um it 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 cleared up by the end like it was like by the end I understood. But the, that was the question I kept asking myself and almost like is this not as thought out as um, it should be? Mm. By the end, it, it it worked fine for me. For me, my interpretation was the parasite is the actual creature. The greys were just another species it had taken over. And when they had finished up their usefulness, it went and found another planet of life. And now it's transferring to that new... Th- is, I, is how I took it. I took it as... The greys were in charge and they were implanting the parasite. And then some of them, they were implanted to, to do certain functions that they wanted. Like, that's how I kind of walked away. I could see your angle too. um, Because I think it was just that, that with your idea, like uh, it was tying me up a little bit when that whole last sequence, when she's, you know, kind of having the, her, you know, the visions, the visions and, yeah. and like the the flashbacky visions and her really encountering them and on like yeah. kind of a emotional level or like yeah. um not emotional but like um I, I I also I for that I didn't read her as being the only person on the planet that they're sparing I I feel like like in, in a bunch of different towns there's just a person here a person there where they're fascinated by yeah. that person and it's like they almost just let them continue on uh, almost like a pet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if she uh, is the only one, know. that all ideas doesn't bother me. No, 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 way. no. Like, no. Um, but I think the other thing was, I, I like the design of them. I think um, the, uh, the level of the effects could have been a little bit better, mm-hmm. but at the budget this film was yeah. made for, I think it perfectly serve serviceable and works fine. It is not distracting. Um, I'm wondering if I had seen this on the big screen, it, it might have, because sometimes when I see things on the big screen, like I'm curious, like when we talked about the creator, mm-hmm. when things are brought down to my my television screen size, you, I'd notice seems a little bit more mm-hmm. just at the frame rates and stuff. Like, yeah. and uh, well, but, the brightness and contrast on yeah, TVs yeah. are So are I'm wondering if those effects, if we had seen this on a full big yeah. screen, uh, the- theatrical experience, it, it those would have worked a lot better. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't fault it for that anyway, especially with the budget this yeah. was made for. But I was just so surprised with how much of a full character you get out of 
her and she does such a great job as an actor. Oh, she's so good. Um, that without dialogue. And yeah. that's just um, like, it's just all, I, I feel like that's something I've talked about in the past that is yeah. you can do so much with like just visuals. And um, this again, as long as it's that, not a gimmick. Right. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like at a movie this level, like things like get made if they're a gimmick, yeah. like, because it's just so much money to put behind something that yeah. I don't know. Um, but it, you get, you can get so much just visually. And, yeah. uh, this proves that point, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, go watch it on Hulu. Yeah. Good it, stuff. I was, I was very surprised and I was very relieved. It wasn't just her versus one alien, the whole movie. For sure. I mean, that's that's just the first chapter. Yeah. Um, it it goes all over the place. Yeah. And and I enjoyed that it kept mixing things up. It really kept me like, what are they doing next? And oh, okay, here's the new challenge. How are they getting past this? And a really the ending of this is a really dark, fun, like yeah. you know, kind of thought experiment. Yeah. Like it's interesting. This actually has a really high Rotten Tomatoes score, but a really kind of middle of the road audience score. Oh. Because regular audiences are really split over this ending. Mm. Some people absolutely hate the movie after the last two minutes. Oh. <laughs> it just went up another notch because I was, that's bold. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's cool. That's bold. It's going to leave me thinking because then you're trying to figure out, like, what's the actual deal here? What's the, like, what are they, what did they negotiate? What is, and I, I just, I love that. Right. I love that I kept thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. And you did bring up the design of them, but I love that it is... It, like they go to in different directions, but I love that it's the base of it is like a very classic, yeah. like like fifties, sixties yeah. uh, flying saucer. Yeah. Um, I and it's fun, especially when you're playing with that kind of trope, but also kind of pushing it in new directions yeah. thematically and story wise. Um, to have that familiar familiar element is cool. It same thing happened to me in Nope, but I realized <clears throat> how much it creeps me out when something very very large moves very fast. Oh right. Uh, that because you're used to you know in the natural world large things lumber. Right. And so you as the smaller creature have an advantage there. But in this one, when those ships would just suddenly shoot directly overhead, right, from right. a distant tree line, oh the chills, just <laughs> oof. All right. Uh, our final film is Piggy. This is our Cinetron pick. This is a Spanish horror <laughs> film. Here's the plot. Sarah is an overweight teen who witnesses a stranger kidnap a clique of girls who bully her on a regular basis. When police start asking questions, though, Sarah keeps quiet as she's torn between revealing the truth or protecting the man who saved her. Uh, this has a pretty good reaction, pretty good buzz to it. This came out last year. Uh, Clint, what did you think of Piggy? This is one where I had seen it around and I knew it had a really high, you know, score on, you know, all of the, um, like Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot. But it was one, just because of the name alone, I was not turned off by it, but it just wasn't interested because mm -hmm. I was like, why would, why is this in, like, what could be why good? Why is of, this? Why is this? Yeah. And um, I was... After kind of, you know, learning more about, oh, the plot of this and, you know, the um, the setup and everything, it became more interesting. And I was glad that Cenotron gave it to us. Yeah. I actually walked away with really liking this film. And I um, feel like there's moments in this that are almost like classic horror, like 
moments that are um, not, I don't know, something you would see from, you know, the seventies, like a grindhouse film or something, but with a central character that is, you really feel for what she's going through and it's very believable and you, you understand why she is motivated by like, you know, the decisions that she makes, you totally, I totally believed why she was doing everything along the way. Um, I like that the center of this film really kind of slows down and it's, it's centered on her and how she is, you know, reacting to the decisions she's made and people coming to understand how involved she is with this and what her, how she plays into it. And I loved at the end, it just goes full grindhouse. And like, she is, um, really in the center of some horrific moments and it really plays with, you know, is she like after all of this she's gone through a good person or is she like changed by this? And because uh, even if she chooses something good, she still made yeah. a lot of bad choices that got right. Yeah, right. It's saying. very gray in those moments. Yeah. And I and but ultimately, like as a character, like I feel like she stays true to herself, but also somehow makes the right, like, you know, it's the right and wrong decisions at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's really, um, as you know, a lot of great art is it's, it's gray and you, you're not sure how to feel about it, but I thought she was fantastic as playing this character. Um, I was surprised how much I liked this film. What'd you think? I agree with everything you said. (laughs) I really do. I could not have said it better myself, but I got to the last two minutes of this movie uh-huh. and hated it. Oh, really? I really don't like the ending. <laughs> and I'm going to have to go spoilers to explain why. Because literally everything you said about this film, 100% true. Uh-huh. Uh, I agree with you. I was with this movie. Yeah. I was lockstep with this movie. Gray, 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 gray. Then you come to this ending where you have a very black and white decision. Uh, do I kill the killer or do I kill the person that that he has, this girl who has picked on me and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is a very black and white choice. The entire movie has been gray. There's only one way to end this movie gray, and that is a shot of her holding a blade, looking at him, looking at the girl, credits. And you are left to decide what decision she makes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I get to see that decision, I hated because oh. I was with the movie. And I'm as soon as that set up, I'm like, they're going to cut to credits before she makes a move or she's going to be walking towards them and cut to credits because it's it's going to be you have to decide based on everything you've seen this girl do. Who is she? What is she? And I, I think at that point, it's in your hands to decide that. And the fact that the movie gave me that answer really disappointed me. Mm. Um, and and I don't know why it bothered me that much. It in no way ruins the film. This is still a very, very good horror film for all the reasons you said. It just, it was one of those movies where, uh, sort of like we talked about with Minority Report, where, man, if they had just stopped it right there, I would have gone through the roof uh with this movie i would have just been like that was genius um but just 
just giving me too much information at the end, told me too much of a, here is who she is. Um, and, and I get it. I appreciate that from look at all the stuff she's gone through and all the stuff she's had to, to face and everything is because of her. And so, you know, part of you wants that satisfying answer. You want her to do the right thing. Um, but I, I didn't, I, I wanted to be left not knowing. Yeah. I didn't want to be left not knowing because I, I think it was more about her trying to figure out for herself who she is. And like, she made this decision earlier on in the movie that set things in motion that, um, she thinks that she might be that person. Mm -hmm. And I love that she answers for herself at the end Mm. that, no, I'm not, I'm better than these girls. I'm better than this killer. Um, I am going to do this thing for myself. And you know, put it all behind her. Like that's that whole scene of her at the end, like yeah. leaving with the boy, like this guy who like is a part of this gang, but he was showing her sympathy and yeah. compassion. And um, when he has no reason to have done that because, um, and I love that she's, you know, she, she leaves them, she saves them, but she leaves them. And she's like putting this behind her yeah. and um, is going to, you know, see where her life goes from there on. And, I I was never, you know, it was more after the fact realizing the gray of it, yeah. not that I wanted it left in gray. I totally agree with you, <laughs> but hear me out. My ending would let you have that ending, and me have that my ending, and we would but, both be happy. But that she doesn't have an ending though. But she does in your mind. Yeah, but you get to decide. It's, it's a choose your own adventure. The whole story is a. Judge this girl and and figure out whether you're with her or against her. And I was uh, never against her though, because I I wasn't against her from a human level. I understood why she was doing things and how hard these decisions were. But by the time you get to that climactic of a choice, you have to de- she has to decide who she is. This is something that will set her down but that's, the then, road but, for the rest of her life. But your your whole idea is us choosing for yes. her. But she has to choose for herself. No. Yeah. Because everything else in her life has been people enforcing on her what her life's going to be. So what a weird and just disgusting thing to leave me with than to leave me in the same position as these people who have controlled her life. I don't know. I don't, don't, don't agree. <laughs> Sometimes we're just wrong, Clint. Uh, yeah, no, I, again, I, it's not that it had to be. It was such a specific thing that just got locked in my mind because I really, in the minutes leading up to that point where I would have cut it, I was convinced that's what they were doing. And I was already celebrating what I saw as, as this genius idea. Mm. And so when it didn't, everything after that point was disappointing because I had so built up. I, I was I was ahead of the movie. I wasn't following the movie on its own merit. I was deciding for the movie what it was about to do. And then when it didn't do that, like a stupid fan, I got all, you know, crybaby about it. Yeah, I wasn't trying to make any, you know, predictions about it. I wasn't before that, but man, right there, I was like, oh, it just credits, just credits. Oh, oh, no, you're not, you're not credits. And what are you doing? I think it's just that by that point, I was so, you know, interested in this character and the decision she was making 
and felt for her. Yeah. Like I, man, the early stages of this uh, moments of this film really make you it's rough feel for her yeah. and believe her and compassionate for her. Yeah. That I wanted to see her, you know, make the right decision. And so I was happy with, I, I thought there was still enough gray in there. She just, like, she just murdered a man. Yeah. Like, that's pretty gray. Like, she yeah. is not all good. Murdered a killer. But still, she murdered a man. She murdered a killer. A killer is still a man. He's still a man, but he's a killer. I mean, you don't, I, I don't know. I don't think you walk away with the same PTSD from killing a killer that you do. I think you do. Really? Yeah. I don't you, know. You think you're going to still sleep at night after you murdered someone? In, I, I'm going way too deep here and possibly <laughs> offensive. But like Vietnam vets, like I get there was general PTSD, but the real PTSD was for the ones who were ordered to attack villages and kill innocent people or they whatever. I don't know. I that think either like way. a way greater level of trauma than shooting a guy that's aiming a I, gun at you. I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think either I, I, way. <laughs> neither of us are vets. We certainly can't speak to it. I'm just thinking, I'm just saying. saying as a human person, if even if I killed somebody who was definitely deserving of it, that would traumatize it, me. It would still traumatize you. I'm just saying you'd get over it faster. I don't know about that. I think you would. I think Stephen King books and horror movies have taught us that when you kill the that bad guy. they're all guy, fiction and they're not real. When you kill the bad guy, you get over it easier <laughs> than when you accidentally kill your brother yeah. or your friend or your mom, you know? That's like, why those are all still was, fantasy. No, no. What fiction. was traumatizing in Shaun of the Dead? When he had to take out his mom. That's what was traumatizing. But those are, they're zombies. He killed dozens of people. They're zombies. Dozens. They're zombies, right? They're killers. He didn't have trauma. I mean, he had you generalized trauma You don't know. He had generalized trauma. The real trauma was I got to put down mom. That's... That's rough. I think you still would feel something rough. There's plenty of zombie movies where there's characters who are not having an easy time with just killing a zombie because it's so familiar to them. That's fiction. <laughs> I think those are the more realistic zombie films. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, just to wrap up, uh, Ahsoka, uh, again, space whales. If you respond favorably to the term space zombie whales. Zombie stormtroopers. Watch Ahsoka. If not, Go with Clint. Maybe you're just not into what is new Star Wars, and that's okay. Uh, talk to me. Clint and I split on that one as well. I don't think we've ever disagreed this much in one <laughs> stretch because uh, we disagreed on Creator last week too. But uh, uh, talk to me. Clint did not respond favorably. I got all the Ouija board it's chills. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, however, we both came together on what is clearly and objectively excellent which is, uh, why do I keep forgetting the title to that movie? Um, Talk, uh, uh, you, you Won't uh, Survive. Yeah, no, not You Won't Survive. Uh, you Won't Do This Alone. No one will save you. No one will save you, which is a great title with great meaning, but honestly, it's a mouthful, and I don't know if it works. But anyway, No One Will Save You, fantastic alien evasion flick on Hulu. I liked it slightly better than Clint, but we both really liked it. And then finally, Piggy, both of us think it's a great little Spanish horror film, uh, I was disappointed in the last two minutes, but, but that's because I'm overly specific and have grown up to be my father. And uh, that's a problem. That's a problem for everyone else. It is. For so me, especially. Let's uh, let's give Sinatron a, a spin and see what, uh, what it spits out this week. Look.
Ken, Cinetron has spun us up another horror movie. Oh, good, good. To stay Very within timely. the theme of October. What do we get? What do we get? spooky season. I'm excited. And this is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, Clint. God, no. <laughs> oh, I will, uh, I will not sorry. hide my distaste for this movie. I've already seen it. Have you seen it? No. Oh, Clint. Oh, Clint. Maybe maybe this will be a creator situation and I'm just missing something and you'll educate the public, but... Maybe not. Maybe we'll both have hate this. Have you seen the trailer for this movie? I just know Pete Davids is in it, in it and I don't oh, have a lot of love for him. Okay. Uh, so, kids, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's a, a new horror movie that came out this year. I am not going to hide my disdain for this movie. I... Oh, it'll be fun to talk about. Like, especially if you love it, but even if we both hate it. It'll when, be fun to uh, talk about. when a group of 20-somethings gets stuck at a remote mansion during a hurricane, a party game gone very, very, very wrong ends with a dead body on the ground and fake friends at every turn as they try to find the killer among them. It's like Knives Out, minus the humor, mm -hmm. minus the good script, minus the likable characters, minus the intrigue, minus the mystery, plus Pete Davidson. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, it'll it'll be fun to talk about, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to uh, break out some other horror movies too. Yeah, I'd like to keep that going because sure. uh, uh, I've actually on Instagram I've been posting like a, a horror movie a day, and I've I've literally that's the horror movie that I've been watching. Mm. Not necessarily each day, but I so also lies. kind of like no, it's just like sometimes I'll watch two. And then those get posted the next two days because I can't watch a movie every single day. Um, I mean, I could, but. You know you, know. you do. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Not when I'm food poisoned. <laughs> that seems like a perfect time to do it. No, you would think, oh, but so much sleep and then so much sick and then, oh, Clint, don't. Don't get food poisoned. I won't. Uh, so, yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies. We'll do a bunch of other horror things. Uh, give us some more questions uh, because we can definitely answer some more horror mailbag questions. That'll be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll just – we'll see if we find some other gems or what we dig up. Give us some um, uh, ratings, some reviews. Yeah, that would be nice. Kind um, ones. And if you give us a review and then you don't see it – pop up on the site that you left the review on, please let us know because we're beginning to suspect that there's something wrong with our Apple page uh, because it's very strange. Some people have left reviews, but they are not appearing. So uh, Apple is notoriously bad at getting back to us, but uh, it would be it would be nice to get some more reviews. We're going to march right down there. March Apple right headquarters. Down, right on down. Knock on the door. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that'll be episode 93 when we get to that. Uh, we're almost episode 100. I'm I'm trying to figure out. Maybe it'll be Christmas. Maybe it'll be Valentine's Day. We'll make it weird, whatever it is. Uh, but I'm excited to hit the official 100 episodes. And we'll be set free, finally. Well, that's it. We'll yep. be loosed from the recording booth. Yep. All right. Well, this has been episode 92 of Cinebabble. As always, you can find us on Instagram at Cinebabble, or you can find us online at www.cinebabblecast.com. You can contact us at contact at cinebabblecast.com, or you can contact us more easily at Instagram. Uh, always happy to hear from people, and I always answer. Um, 
So you will not be sending your message into the void. Uh, even if we don't cover it on an episode, you will definitely get an answer. Uh, but until next time, we are rolling up on Halloween. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. And uh, enjoy those horror movies, kids. You as well, Clint. I'll do my best, Ken. Sounds great. All Bye. right. Until Bonnie's Bodies, Bodies. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't wait. Thanks, Pete. I can wait. All right. See you, Clint. Bye.